get me back into the groove of doing podcast episodes, I have decided to make an attempt at making shorter episodes that I can produce and get out easier while I enter my last year, my master's program. And the subject of this little experiment that I'm attempting to do is to take a look at the different movies within what I call the PGCU, which obviously means the Pop Girl Cinematic Universe. Because if there's anything in this world that I truly love, it is movies and pop girls. So why not look at movies starring pop girls? So what is a pop girl, you may be asking? Well, to answer that, you kind of have to define what pop music is, because to me, it's very subjective. I think pop music encompasses all different genres of music, and a pop girl could mean Celine Dion, or it could mean Britney Spears, Nicki Minaj, or Lana Del Rey, which are four artists that on paper seem like they're in very different genres. So the easiest way to figure out if a musician is a pop girl, in my opinion, is to just ask yourself, would a gay man take a bullet for this woman? If yes, she's a pop girl. It's simple as that. And musicians are no stranger to crossing over into acting, and many actors cross over into music. Quite a few pop girls started out as actors, whether that be on the stage or the screen. For example, Ariana Grande, she got her big break on Broadway as a kid, and then she moved on to getting cast on Nickelodeon as a teenager, and then transitioned into being one of the biggest pop stars of all time. And Disney Channel also produces a lot of child actors into big, huge pop stars, just like Hilary Duff, Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato. And some pop girls even made the jump to acting and are now equally known as actors as well as musicians. I would say think Cher, Jennifer Lopez, Mandy Moore, Barbara Streisand. Um, it would not be out of the ordinary for any of these women to show up in a movie. It wouldn't shock any of us. We wouldn't be like, oh my God, it's this huge pop star. It's really, it's an actor who's also a pop star. But what I love and what I want to discuss here is stunt casting of putting a pop girl with no prior professional experience in acting into a movie. And bonus points, bonus points, if they have a musical number that serves absolutely no purpose other than to appease their fans. I love nothing more. It is almost a subgenre of film in itself. And I think it's something that was much more common in the late 90s throughout the 2000s. But there are some upcoming movies with pop girls coming up. Um, Rina Sawayama has joined John Wick 4. Lady Gaga is leaning into share territory and has very quickly become a respected actress that will probably have a lasting impact on both music and movies. Um, and there's been other pop girls who have tried their hand at acting. There's Madonna, Mariah Carey, Donna Summer, Bjork, Rihanna, Christina Aguilera, Taylor Swift, Nicki Minaj, Britney Spears, Diana Ross, Janet Jackson, Aaliyah, Jessica Simpson, Mary J. Blige, and many, many more. And it is not something exclusive to pop girls. Other musicians, such as uh, Courtney Love, Justin Timberlake, Ice Cube, Jared Leto, Tim McGraw, David Bowie, have all been actors, and some of these people have also been very successful actors. 
but my love for film and pop girls are equal. So I thought I'd merge the two on the podcast and dedicate a few smaller episodes to movies starring pop girls. And for this episode, I decided to talk about the one and only Beyonce. Beyonce has had a semi-successful acting career. At the time of recording this episode, she has starred in nine films, I think. Her debut was a TV movie that came out on MTV in 2001 titled Carmen, a Hip Hopera. She would then do a string of feature films throughout the 2000s, which include Austin Powers in Goldmember in 2002, Uh, The Fighting Temptations in 2003, The Pink Panther and Dreamgirls in 2006, Cadillac Records in 2008, and finally, the camp classic Obsessed in 2009, the movie where she beats Allie Larder's ass. After this, she would do two more movies, although they were animated. She did Epic in 2013, and most recently, she was in the Lion King remake in 2019. And I debated which movie to focus on for this episode as I wanted to choose one that had at least some sort of a musical number. And I honestly did not know what to expect from Carmen, a hip hopera, and was not in the mood to watch Dreamgirls or Cadillac Records. So that left Austin Powers and Pink Panther. And while I think Pink Panther has a better musical number for her to perform, I decided on Goldmember because not only does it star Beyonce, but Britney Spears cameos as well. And not only does she cameo, but she performs Boys, which in my opinion is top tier Britney song. It is like her most clear example of Janet Jackson's influence on her. And I love both of those women. So it's a bonus. I asked for Goldmember. By the time this film was released, Beyonce was not the Beyonce we know today. While she was highly successful with two number ones and three Grammys under her belt, she did so in the girl group Destiny's Child, which she herself was not the household name that she is now. And by the way, at the time of recording this, she is the most nominated woman in Grammy history with a total of 79 nominations and 28 wins. She is not only an icon, but a musical legend. But by the time of Goldmember, she had not gone solo just yet. So following Elizabeth Hurley and Heather Graham, the Austin Powers filmmakers were looking for their new Bond girl parody love interest. And producer John Lyons said that they were looking for a young Black actress for the role, and a talent agent named Sharon Scheinwald, I believe is how you pronounce, suggested that a singer in the group Destiny's Child had something very special. So director Jay Roach says that himself, Mike Myers, Beyonce, and her mother Tina Knowles met in Mike's hotel room to discuss the possibility of Beyonce joining the cast. Mike and Beyonce had great chemistry, and he ended up writing the role of Foxy Cleopatra with Beyonce in mind. But the crazy thing to me while watching this, because I I don't know, to me, Beyonce is so ageless and just like, I don't know. Like, I, I had no idea while watching this movie again that she was only 19 years old when she sang down to Austin Powers, which I cannot fathom. 
I cannot believe that she was that young. And honestly, whenever I look back at a famous pop star or a huge actor who got big really young, it makes me feel really shitty about myself because she was 19 years old, has three Grammys, two number ones, and now she's in a huge movie, Austin Powers. What the hell have I done? I'm 24. I'm a fucking loser. Anyway, many of the crew recalled how nervous she was on set and she relied heavily on Jay Roach to direct her and Mike Myers did everything he could to make her comfortable on set and in front of the camera, saying a lot of jokes and all that kind of stuff. But all of that changed once it was time for her to film her musical number. Stunt coordinator Jack Gill recalled the moment by saying, We did some of her acting bits first, and then we said we're going to move on to her singing number. So everybody moves the cameras over and we get ready. Here's our first take, and she freaking nailed it. It was like, oh my God, this is her element. This is what she does. She's not nervous now. She knows exactly what she's doing, and it was totally different. Candy Walken, the hair department head, said, We all just stood there and our mouths dropped open. She became this incredible light. She was 19 years old, and she had such command of the stage when she stepped onto it. None of us really knew why they'd chosen her for this character, but then we understood it. So as for my opinion on the musical number, I agree that she clearly exudes confidence on stage, but I think that the number itself is pretty lackluster. And I think in my brain, because I have not seen this movie since, I don't know, I was like 10 maybe. I thought like, oh, she has this huge musical number. Obviously, it's Beyonce. But that's not the case because most of the musical number is spent focusing on Mike Myers' hijinks as gold member rather than being a Beyonce showcase, which obviously makes sense. But you'd think she'd have a bigger moment. Like, why else cast Beyonce in this movie and not give her more than a repeated one-two step? She's clearly more capable than that. Even her not being the Beyonce, the legend that we know her to be today, she can do more than a step to the side, step back, step to the side, step back. Like I don't know. I was I was a little disappointed. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. She's definitely more than capable, and they knew that. And I think the number is very forgettable. In fact, and I hate to say this because this is Beyonce's moment. This is her movie, her movie in terms of pop girls, I should say. Um, I found the Britney Spears musical number to be much more memorable. And whenever I think of this movie, I actually think about the Britney Spears cameo because I think it is just so good, so well executed and genuinely funny. The problem with Beyonce's musical number is that she was not part of the jokes in the scene so she was basically just singing in the background which I think was a missed opportunity Brittany performs boys and dance battles with Austin Powers they they slap each other repeatedly and then Brittany turns into a fembot shoots bullets out of her tits and then her head explodes like it's it's great it's actually my favorite cameo in the movie which relies on cameos pretty heavily I just think her stage presence was already at legend level at this point. And she also was 19 years old, I believe. Um, Her and Beyonce, I think, are only like a couple months apart. So I'm assuming she was 19 when she filmed this. 
And this was pre-second knee injury. So I think her confidence was at an all-time high here. And she is clearly one of the greatest performers of all time for a reason. And if you don't aren't aware of her knee injuries, I believe she had a knee injury in 1999 while on tour. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Please, Britney Stans, Britney Army, do not quote me on that. I love Britney Spears. I was a part of the Free Britney movement. But then she injured her that knee again in uh, 2004 or 2005. I'm terrible with dates when it comes to music, but great when it comes to movies. Um, but I believe she was filming, was it Outrageous? The, a music video. She was filming a music video with Snoop Dogg. And honestly, oh, don't quote me on that. I know it was with Snoop Dogg. I'm now second guessing myself if it was for the song Outrageous. But she injured her knee, had to get surgery. And then after that, she didn't dance the same as she did before. And then she got put in the conservatorship and she definitely was not performing the same that she was before because that's a whole mess. That's a whole other topic. Probably not for this podcast, but so glad Britney's free now. <laughs> but Back to the movie. She also has a little scene over the end credits where she tries to hook up with Minnie Me. And I think the joke landed. She, I really wish that she was in this movie more. I think she's genuinely funny in the two scenes that she had. I laughed at both of them and I enjoy watching her perform in boys. But back to Beyonce. This is her moment. Let me get back to Beyonce. I think she did a great job with what she was given. She was not given the most in terms of jokes or materials, but I think no matter what she did, she would be magnetic either way because she is Beyonce, also one of the greatest performers of all time. She just has that spark to her. I don't think the movie did her dirty, but I don't think they gave her enough to make a huge impact on the franchise. I can't think of a joke or a scene that really stood out to me that starred her other than her hair gag when she takes off the scuba gear. But what did stick out to me was literally how beautiful she is. Like, holy shit. This movie did not do her any favors in the joke department, but they made up for it in the hair and makeup department. Whenever she was on screen, she was glowing. Literally looked absolutely flawless, but I don't think she's ever looked anything less than perfect. I loved watching her. I wish she actually did more with her acting career. She used this movie in an incredibly smart way. Her parents were basically at Kris Jenner levels of marketing here. This movie was released at just the right time to garner the hype for her first solo album, Dangerously in Love, which would end up scoring her two number one singles from that and five Grammy awards. Not nominations, wins. This movie came out at just the right time for her career-wise because it really put her name on the map for a lot of people because the general public does not often learn the names of people in bands or groups. Plus, Destiny's Child released their first album in 1998. Austin Powers and Goldmember came out in 2002. That is only a four-year span. She was not a household name. Goldmember was highly successful, and it made about $300 million, and I'm sure it did very well in the home media market, like rentals and DVD purchases, because Austin Powers is an iconic series, and everyone and their mother has seen these movies. And without a doubt, this was a strategic move to release her debut solo album after the success of being the co-lead in an Austin Powers movie. So as for the movie itself, it is not my favorite of the series, but I can't say 
I did not have fun. I had a lot of fun. No matter how stupid this movie is or the jokes are, it's still fun and a familiar type of movie. I think the best jokes involve Mini-Me. He is probably my standout for this movie. But I also loved the opening, which starts with a movie within a movie about Austin's life, where Tom Cruise plays Austin, Gwyneth Paltrow plays Dixie Normus, Kevin Spacey plays Dr. Evil, very fitting, Danny DeVito plays Mini-Me, with Steven Spielberg playing himself as the director directing the movie. It is the perfect opening that, of course, turns into a musical number like the last two movies, and this is where Britney Spears fittingly shows up as well. It's funny and charming. And there's also some other really good cameos in the movie, as well as the Osborne family, Willie Nelson, Nathan Lane, and John Travolta. <laughs> but overall, I think it was all pretty chuckle-worthy. Even the original characters had some good gags. I really liked Seth Green here. I always enjoy seeing him pop up in things as a Buffy fan. I also always think Mindy Sterling is really underrated. Personally, she is one of my favorite parts in this series. The movie also brings Michael Caine into the Austin Powers universe as Austin's father, and I think he was all right. Like, he doesn't... He... He does not really play it up like Mike Myers does. I think the funniest thing about him is that he's Michael Caine in an Austin Powers movie. He doesn't do much outside of the weirdness that he's in this movie, although he's no stranger of doing like wacky or bad movies. <coughs> Jaws 4. Um, as for Mike Myers himself, he adds another character to this movie, this time portraying Austin Powers, Dr. Evil, fat bastard <laughs> and now gold member and obviously he's really great in all of the roles he has kind of that tatiana maslani aspect to him where he i think he's so versatile i forget that he's playing all four of them because i i think you just kind of get sucked into the insanity of his performances that you kind of just accept that they're all completely different people and i particularly found gold member extra repulsive. There is a gag that actually makes me gag where he peels his skin flakes off and puts them in a box to eat later. It's disgusting and I have to look away, but Myers is able to sell the whole thing. <laughs> He's super talented and yeah, I kind of wish, I wish he was doing more at the moment. I would love to see another Shrek or Austin Powers movie again. I think Austin Powers 4 would be really fun. I think it would be extra great if they were able to get Elizabeth Hurley Heather Graham and Beyonce all in some capacity. And I was reading a lot of like letterboxed reviews where people were shocked that Beyonce did this movie. But honestly, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, because I think even today she would do this movie if she was asked. I don't think a lot of people realize that Beyonce has a really good sense of humor and often rolls with the punches. She I mean, she appeared in that celebrity lip sync show as Channing Tatum's backup, if anyone remembers that, where they, I think they did single ladies. Um, also, Austin Powers is extremely successful, so why wouldn't she do it? I think she has this mystique to her that confuses a lot of people. She's one of those few celebrities who has any sort of mystery to her because she's very strategic in particular with what she shares with the public. And I I think she would be down to do another Austin Powers movie at as a cameo at the very least. 
And I want to see it. I want to see Beyonce play Foxy Cleopatra again. I want to see her with Austin Powers. I think that would be really fun. But that is all I really have to say about Austin Powers in Goldmember. It's not anything groundbreaking and does rehash a lot of the old jokes for a third time. But it is familiar enough to be a cozy, easy watch or a movie you have on the background that you casually look up to and then you start laughing at how stupid it is. But I will say I was a little disappointed that Beyonce was delegated to a straight man role when I definitely think she's funny enough and completely game to go head to head with Mike Myers. Although to be fair, the love interests in the Austin Powers movies are typically the straight man character like Elizabeth Hurley and Heather Graham. Like they weren't, they were funny and crazy just like everyone in the Austin Powers movie, but they weren't as wacky and crazy as some of the character actors that they do hire like Mike Myers and Minnie Sterling. It's just not my, it's not my favorite by any means, but like I said, it's still, I think, well, no, this is fact, like not what I think. This is fact. It is a turning point in Beyonce's career. It's something that I think people don't think about anymore because she's much bigger than this movie. She's much bigger than being Austin Powers' love interest. Like, It is now so far forward in her career where she's now such an icon and such a legend that people don't really associate it with her anymore. But I don't think that the general public wasn't associating anything with her before. Like this really made people, this was like a lot of people's introduction to Beyonce. So With that being said, it is an important aspect in the pop girl cinematic universe, the PGCU, if you will. As for everything else, if you have not yet listened to her Renaissance album, please do so. It's an amazing album. It is my favorite of the year so far. It's a must listen to. It's super fun. You won't regret it. And then after you do that, please let me know what other pop girl movies I should look into next for another shorter episode in this experiment of testing the format of this podcast. I'm thinking of Burlesque starring Christina Aguilera and Cher because I think it has a killer soundtrack, amazing musical numbers, and a horrible script. 10 out of 10 experience. (laughs) Plus, Christina Aguilera is one of my favorite pop girls of all time, but I'm also thinking about doing Mariah Carey's Glitter, which is not the worst movie, but it bombed horribly, which many blame on 9-11, but it's also just not a very good movie, so... It's a mess, but it's a fun mess with a good backstory to kind of talk about. But yeah, let me know what you think about these shorter episodes. If I should kind of talk more about the process of how these pop girls got into the movie or more behind the scenes stuff, or maybe just more my thoughts on the movie. I don't know. This is the shortest episode I've ever done. And I'm not sure how it's going to come out if I'm going to think that I should continue with short episodes or if it's worth the listen, if there's not much information in it, I'm not sure. Um, so let me know what you think. Um, if you think it's a sleigh, give me a high rating on Apple podcasts or Spotify or whatever. If you don't, then still give me a high rating on Apple podcasts and Spotify or whatever. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this experiment. Um, support your local pop girls and yeah, I'll see you next time.